This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Let's get it started. On Dubai I 103.8. Indeed, uh, this is the hour uh, between 10 and 11 each and every Tuesday that uh, I get the opportunity to sit down with the brains at Virtue Zone. For this, uh, it is Starting Up with Virtue Zone live on Dubai I 103.8 FM. 10 a.m. through to 11 a.m. each and every Tuesday. And of course, we continue that conversation online. At Virtue Zone, hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone, hashtag be your own boss. Probably the best ways for you to interact with the team or equally have your say at Dubai I138FM. Text messages to 4001. What are we on about today? Well, apps, they're big business, with the industry showing no signs of slowing down. In fact, new research shows that in the second quarter of 2021 this year, there's been a $7 billion jump in app spend globally year on year. According to mobile data and analytics company AppAnnie, uh, there's been exceptional growth across all types of applications, from finance, business, entertainment, to sport, travel and entertainment as well. So where do you start if you're thinking of launching an app for your business? Do you have to launch an app for your business? And how do you keep those costs down? How do you compete with the big boys when it comes to launching your app in what is a very, very competitive market? Later, we'll get some answers from an app expert. That's right. An app expert coming your way a little later on. Next, the founder of the car sharing app, eCar, will be joining us to talk about his startup story as well. Uh, Plus, we'll have Company Clinic with the team at VirtuZone, where you can get your questions answered for free. So please do join the show now. This is Starting Up with VirtuZone each and every Tuesday from 10 until 11 right here on Dubai I 103.8 You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone on Dubai I 103.8 Thankfully I don't do it uh, solo I always get the brains to join us here in studio uh, the crew at Virtue Zone uh, business set up with no regrets uh, and absolutely no regrets to be joined by the Chief Executive Officer the CEO of Virtue Zone Mr. George Hajej, who joins us live in the studio. Georgie, good to have you on board. Always good to be here, Tom. You're the brains. We're not the brains. No, you're the brains. We join the brains. You got the brains. You bring it to the. You bring it to the party. <laughs> uh, listen, what's uh, how's it been? How's the week been? I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued because obviously, with all the sort of outdoor advertising going on, all the virtual advertising, all the viral advertising, uh, you must be seeing an uptick, surely. Listen, the week's been great. We're yeah. continuing to see the sustained growth. Uh, lots of people coming to the country, lots of people relocating here. Um, the uptick from, from the COVID crisis where, uh, you know, we always say it here has been tremendously handled. Um, and we see, we continue to see people pouring, uh, people in. So, uh, it's amazing so far. And uh, we hope that it, this trend will continue for the rest of the year. But definitely, definitely the country is buzzing. The town is buzzing as you have uh, probably noticed. And all good down at Virtue Zone HQ? Everything good. Um, a lot of people exciting to maybe take some time off a bit during the summer, but we're managing that well to keep uh, well staffed. Mm. Um, you know, it's been it's been a trying two years for everyone, uh, not only at Virtue Zone, but a bit everywhere. So uh, I think we have a fantastic team. I want a big shout out to them. They've been just amazing throughout the last uh, two years, and we've gone through this together and very, very proud of uh, everybody down there at the office. So I've got a question for you. In terms of... Um, startups in general is, is is there such a thing as a good time of year to start up one would assume that the summer months 
obviously a little bit quieter uh, on the commercial and the corporate side of things or have been traditionally in the past. Is that a good time to sort of launch or do you, do, is there a certain sweet period that you should be launching? Well, I wouldn't say there's a, there's a certain time to launch a startup. No. There's a certain time for some things. There's a certain time to rent an office, for example. <laughs> a certain time to, to hire where people will be looking for, 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 uh, for jobs, you know, to get, to get talent. Uh, there's, there's a certain time for a lot of things, but to start up in, in general, there's no certain period of the year where it's better. I could tell you our, our, our biggest months tend to be, and, and, and no particular other June and November, for example, ask me why. I have no idea why. Uh, and for the last few years, we've seen that trend where June and November are big months for us. November, I could imagine before the end of the year, people want to set up and start up, you know, start up their start business up for the new year. Um, June, I would say, you know, I would say uh, start up after the summer. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a guess, right? But yeah. uh, but uh, no, numbers. The, our numbers don't reflect any particular spike on a particular month more than any other, except these two. And it's I could it could be pure coincidence. But uh, no, we see we see people starting up every day throughout the year. Um, summer usually has a bit more promotions. We got a great promotion going on now, so the cost of setting up is a bit lower. Uh, everybody knows that you know people are out of town, so that the, in order to attract the business, a lot of the free zones will give some special offers. Uh, definitely, July and August, or, or June and July, is, is, is the the times of the year where you'll find the the cheaper rates for um, for licenses anyway. Right. There's only one way to start the show. Well, the, uh, there's two ways to start the show. First and foremost, we need your comments and thoughts. 4001, thinking of starting up, have started up, looking to start up, uh, want to start up, want some advice. George is here in studio to take those questions. Get them into us now, 4001. Equally, uh, if you would like to find out more online, at VirtueZone is probably the best way to do it. Hashtag starting up with VirtueZone. Hashtag be your own boss as well. Um, we're going to focus on all things apps, but those questions you might have uh, might well, of course, be anything to do with it. So feel free to get them in. This is the way we start things. Well briefed. The business stories you need to know this week. So we look at some of the big uh, stories that have caught our eye. Uh, they don't get much bigger than announcements from His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the Vice President, Prime Minister of the UAE and the ruler of Dubai, uh, who has attended the graduation of entrepreneurs from the Higher Colleges of Technology Startup Development Programme. Programme itself is a response to an initiative to transform higher education institutions into business incubators. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed reviewed a number of startups from sectors such as technology, health, cybersecurity, agritech, automation, 3D printing and education. Uh, if ever you needed evidence of the importance uh, that startups have uh, for the here, the now, the present and the future, it's that, is it not? Absolutely. First of all, uh, Tom, just quickly, my wife just wrote to me that she's listening to me. That doesn't happen very often, my friend. <laughs> so I have to say hello and a big shout out to Geraldine and her nephew Alex is with her. Um, you know, regarding, regarding, regarding what, you just, um, what you just talked about, listen, we've talked about on this before. Um, when we were growing up, you and I, there was no such thing as I'm in the, you know, the startup business yeah. or, or I'm an incubator or any of that. We never heard of this. And, and today I have so many friends that are in this space, whether it's on the funding side, whether it's on the incubation side, whether it's on the, uh, on the founding side. A lot of them have founded their own startups. Um, it has become a thing. Uh, it is definitely a thing. It's definitely a big part of the economy. I can tell you that I personally invest in a lot of in a lot of startups. Whereas in the past, it'd be only the stock market or or bonds or or, or real estate or these things. Now this is a real part of, of of my portfolio to invest into startups, and 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 it's a real thing. It's big. A lot of the younger generation. Uh, are looking at founding tech companies. And, and, and we're going to see, you know, everything that we have so far, it's a bit of the fourth industrial genera- uh, the fourth industrial revolution, isn't it? Where we're 
te- getting technology into everything. So there's so much to do. So you'll see more and more of that trend. So I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. And um, when you've got original influencers like Hussain Sheikh Mohammed uh, turning up to those sort of graduations, you know that it's coming from very much on high. Another story that caught our eye, District 2020. Um, obviously, a lot of headlines, a lot of chat about District 2020. It's now collaborating with the Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC, to support startups across the whole of the region through its Scale to Dubai Entrepreneur Programme. The GCC's Secretary General said they aim to identify the most promising companies and give them District 2020 as a platform. District 2020 will evolve from Expo 2020 Dubai as a smart and sustainable city centred on the needs of its urban community. Not long to go now. No, not long to go. A few months. The buzz is getting bigger and bigger. Um, I'm getting a lot lot more phone calls about it, whether it's from from the city here or from uh, abroad. Listen, Expo is a huge uh, is a huge achievement for the UAE, yeah. and it's uh, you know it's it's long anticipated and long awaited. If you remember a few years ago when 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 the country actually won the Expo, yeah, you know we all have crazy stories about what happened then and and, and uh, what followed. And uh, uh, it's a, it's a huge uh, investment. It's a huge uh, site that they're building. Um, uh, you know, not not only in terms of construction, but in terms of getting the resources, in, uh, in terms of, of of the themes, and in terms of uh, the local economy investing into it. And I think it's it's great that they, they're already, you know, and, and they've been thinking about this for a long time now. And when I say they, it's it's both the government and the expo organizers and us as a community here on how to how to capitalize on the expo for a long time to come. And this issue, this initiative is a perfect example of how we'll be able to do that. I think what's also interesting about this one here is is that that focus on legacy. You know, you and I are both sports fans. We've mm-hmm. seen those horror stories in the past, and we've with uh, Olympic bids that have gone not so much the bids, but uh, Olympic infrastructures that have gone sour because people don't think about life after the Olympics. I mean, a lot of thinking has gone into life after Expo 2020, what to do with the site, what to do with the infrastructure, what to do with the knowledge that's been gleaned over the six months. And I suppose that's in line with the thinking of startups in general. It's not just about that six months, it's about everything afterwards. Yeah, they've built a small, tiny airport next to the <laughs> site. So, no, so this was this was planned a long time ago. I think it was very strategic. This, the expo site was very strategic. It goes in line with the growth of Dubai, growth of the city. Um, you know, it's been it's been a long time coming, a, a long time planned, and uh, it's just it's just like everything they do here, everything you know, uh, or everything we do here. I should say now after sixteen years, um, uh, you know, everything is planned, everything is, is well thought of, and and it's always a long term, medium term vision. Um, you know, and and I, it always fascinates me. You know, Tom. Uh, for example, after the metro was built, that you still have you know you still have um, mm. interchanges that are still being over the yeah. rails and under the rails and all that, and it's just crazy. Uh, so so this is perfectly in line mm. with the vision uh, the vision of His Highness and and definitely that Expo site and the legacy of Expo is is going to be here for a long time. Uh, finally, let's talk unicorns if we can, because Dubai-based cloud kitchen startup Katopi has raised four hundred and fifteen million dollars. Uh, their CEO uh, Mohammed Balut has uh, said that Katopi had now crossed the billion dollar valuation mark making it what we think is now what the third middle east or uae unicorn deal marks one of the largest funding rounds for middle east technology company well done to them listen somebody sent this to me yesterday and i was looking at it and they got a, over a billion dollar valuation and it's it, it 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 said you know it's a technology company and i called you know just drove me nuts i was like this is a bunch of kitchens i gotta get a billion dollars you know and I, I i called up a few friends and said can you explain to me how kitopi is a technology company because you know i can understand 
I don't even understand the valuations for these technology companies, but a mm. billion dollars for kitchens. I mean, you know, and one of, one of, one of my friends was telling me a story about a restaurant or a friend of his that owned a restaurant that was working with Kitopi. And apparently the level of technology in those kitchens mm. is out of this world, Tom. So everything is, is, everything is obviously uh, automated. Everything's computerized. Everything is, is, is through the cloud. Um, you go in the ingredients, the, 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 the you know, the recipes, mm. the way of doing things. It is purely, purely, purely apparently a technology company. You're Amazing. almost chef free if you want, yeah. right? So it's crazy that we're, even cooking has become has become technology based, which is absolutely nuts. It's the efficiency that they bring to yeah. bear. We had them on the show a little earlier on this week. Uh, congratulations again to all the team at Kitopi, who will, of course, now become, uh, well, not just unicorns, but ambassadors uh, for startups here in the region moving forward. Uh, talking of startups, uh, we are going to turn our attention now to today's talker uh we are talking apps how to go about building about app how do you go about launching an app how do you make it relevant where on earth do you start we will be talking to those that have done it and those that advise on it next you're listening to starting up with tom urquhart and virtue zone on dubai i 103.8 building an app can be daunting uh, you may have an idea Uh, be launching a business or trying to expand your digital presence. But where do you start? Well, that is the big talker today uh, on Starting Up with VirtuZone. Do you keep it in-house or do you outsource? And how much should you be paying to build an app in the UAE? Cost estimates do vary. Anything from, what, $5,000 to $50,000, maybe even more. CreateDXB is a digital agency that helps build apps for companies. They're also, in their own right, a startup. Here's our producer, Catherine Cunningham, with more. Create DXB specialises in digital transformation, design and brand identity. It was started by a husband and wife duo at the start of the pandemic. Founder Manan Mystery has had a long career in web and mobile development and strategy. Create DXB was started in May 2020 by myself and my wife, Aditi. And it was with one prime objective, and that was to help people create brands and create online digital solutions for a price that they could afford within their budgets. In over a year, we've amassed 26 clients, ranging from branding to websites. Growing at a rapid rate, they're benefiting from the increase in companies going digital. Well, I have to say that Manan is able to join us now live on the line, but also uh, live on Microsoft Teams. Uh, Manan, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So, I mean, this is going to come across as a really, really simplistic question. But, I mean, is there a perfect place to start when you decide that you want to build a mobile app? What's the first piece of advice you give to clients? You know, the first piece of advice is be very, basically what I tell them is get your idea right. Mm. You know, it's very tough to start something and to make changes in the middle. All right, so the first thing is get your ideas right. And that's where we come in, is we not only help brand clients, but we sit them down and say, okay, well, what is your idea? What are you looking to achieve from this idea? You know, And then we work on a process of trying to get to that uh, achievement level. What's the, what's the most common mistake you see from people going into apps? Is it the fact that they think that they can do it themselves? Well, no, I, I know a lot of people don't attempt it, but the most common mistake, uh, Tom, is that they 
well, they look for the cheapest option. Mm. You know, I mean, that's what we've done throughout pandemic, not look for the cheapest, but look for the most cost effective option, you know? And when it comes to mobile apps, it's, it's a process. It does take time. There are people who build it, or if you decide to attempt it yourself, it's your time that you take. So the, I think the most common problem would be the fact that they try to look for the cheapest, you know? So can I just pick up on that? Because you mentioned the word time there. Do people underestimate yeah. how much time it takes to construct that? Yeah, because I'll, I'll tell you from Create DXB's point of view, our apps take a minimum of about two and a half, three months. Hmm. Uh, that's what we're looking at. And that's integrating with uh, websites that have already been built. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's the minimum time. So if anyone, I question people who say they can do it in a month, it's, it's a lot longer than that. Manan, how many people would you say typically work on building it up? Well, from, if, I, if I was to put a scale of the clients that we've catered to, I would say probably only about 10%. But what tends to happen is a client gets really excited to build the app, sees the cost, hears the cost, and says, ah, maybe we can push this on the back burner right Because right now, I think the priority for companies is to save as much money as possible. Thanks. Uh, no, I meant how many people does it take to build an app? Ah, how many people? Yeah. Depends on the scope. Mm. See, the scope of the project. So if, if we're looking at building, let's say, without naming a name, uh, a taxi app, okay, that's going to let you hire taxis out. It, that might require a team of 20 people. Mm. Uh, if you're looking at building an app, which is basically just an app to uh, I don't know, run your website, for example, uh, take inquiries, send some notification to your customers, a basic e-commerce style app, it might require only five people. I so see. it really depends on, on the scope that you have. So let's, let, let me put myself in, 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 in the shoes of a, of a listener here, let's say. If I say okay. tomorrow, you know, I'm, um, I'm, um, uh, I'm manufacturing something or I'm importing something or whatever it is, and I want to sell that through an app online to the world, right? And I want that app okay. to be able to be just pretty basic, you know, to, to sign up, get, a, get, a, get an account, uh, be able to browse my different products and to order them online, and that for that order to be automated and for, for the stuff to, to, so I get a notification to ship and where. Okay. What, what's the timeline on something like this and how much would it cost? You know, a typical, let's call it uh, an entry-level e-commerce app okay now firstly any app building process it is intangible so what we do is so from what you have given me the scope that you've given me is basically e-commerce but bringing that e-commerce onto a mobile now first few things that you have to understand it's not just a matter of let's design an app so you design the user interface and then we code it that's not it's not that simple so the first few things is this app would take around minimum two and a half months to build from start to scratch because there's two, three things involved when we build an app. One is apart from designing the app itself, you have to look at that. We have to build it for Apple as well as Android. Mm -hmm. And then as well as we have to build all the APIs and APIs, if obviously the users don't understand are basically modules that we build onto the web server that enable the app to talk to the database uh, where all the information is kept. So that's the thing that's pulling up like your product images, your product names. And there's quite a few e-commerce apps out there, but you're looking at about two and a half to three months minimum. And I mean, that kind of costing really, I mean, we've worked on budgets for the last one year, but you're looking at about anywhere between 30 and $50,000. Okay. Should you, 
Is there are there ways? I mean, obviously, everyone wants to see their app being profitable. I mean, how much? How do you consult consult clients that come in? Is there a sort of timeline that one would have to wait to see your app being profitable, or should you not expect your app to be profitable for quite some time? It's a bit like a normal business uh, with apps. So apps, the, the route that apps have taken especially in the last couple of years, is a very subscription-based module. Yeah. You see a lot of people are being profitable on subscription-based. So instead of just downloading the app and charging your two dirhams, five dirhams for the app, instead they would rather give it for free and then have in-app purchases. And then you also find that mobile advertising, it's one of the biggest, it is probably the biggest advertising platform out there. Apple does it quite well and Google does it quite well as well. So there are two, three ways that you can monetize. It will not happen immediately. It's like any business. You invest the money, and then once you see a a good platform of view, sorry, app users for your particular app, then automatically there's organic growth, and that's where you start making some money because then you get some ad revenue as well as if you're doing subscription-based module, you get money per month per year, whichever way that you've decided. It's such a wide-ranging um, segment, obviously, and a lot of competition out yeah. there. From, from, from what you're seeing and as an observer uh, of the industry, are there particular types of apps that are seeing better or more growth now than others? Well, to be honest with you, Tom, <laughs> we've been in um, this pandemic for over a year now, and social media apps, TikTok especially, you know, the, the growth that we see with uh, TikTok and uh, Facebook, especially TikTok, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, yes, we do have our e-commerce apps. We've had a lot of the, the larger supermarket stores and even the smaller ones, you know, who cater for supermarkets, they've become quite big. In terms of businesses that are bringing their apps online, yeah, e-commerce and our social media apps. I mean, they're just off the roof right now. No, I'm just saying that unfortunately we're out of time on this occasion, but not before I wanted to ask you just for a sort of wrap up, because obviously we've given people a lot of information there. If yeah. if there's one piece of information, one piece of advice that you can proffer to our listeners uh, this morning, uh, one piece that would convince them to contact you and the team at Create DXP or, of yeah. course, else, uh, going about uh, looking at setting up their own app, what is that piece of advice you want them to take away from this chat? What I want them to understand is uh, they don't need someone just to develop. Uh, I find this is the biggest hole. There are a lot of people who develop. They need someone who understand their idea and their concept. What we do is let's not take the, the budget, but what we do is we look at the client. We, we ask them how much they have, and then we work on that aspect because everything is possible. Uh, we just need to look at it and understand it and make sure we achieve what they want. Manan, absolute pleasure chatting with you this morning. Really thanks uh, you to taking Thank time so to speak much, to us. Uh, Manan Mistry is the managing partner at Create DXB. Uh, he was joining us live via Microsoft Teams. So uh, that's how you go about setting up your app. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls that uh, people have experienced in the past? We speak uh, to a founder in just a few moments' time. Startup Spotlight. Spotlight. 
car sharing and leasing app eCar has had tremendous success since its launch in 2016. Two years later, it was named one of the top five startups in the Arab world by none other than Forbes magazine. It's currently the largest platform of its kind here in the region. Last year, the business grew by somewhere in the region of 16.3%. Here's our producer, Catherine Cunningham, with more. When eCar was launched five years ago, it started with a small fleet used by cabin crew in Abu Dhabi. Today, it's serviced more than 200,000 customers and clocked up almost 1.5 million trips. The platform allows users to find cars near their location. The app opens the door and the key is located inside. Free fuel, parking and maintenance is thrown in. Founder Wilhelm Hedberg. The Middle East's first and largest self-drive mobility platform. We have cars available under both car sharing as well as subscription leasing across the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Expansion plans are now underway into other markets. Well, happy to say that the man with the plan, the founder of eCar, Wilhelm Hedberg, is able to join us now live on the line and live via Microsoft Teams. Morning, Wilhelm. Morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on board. Listen, take us back to those planning meetings when the Brains Trust came together round a table, wherever it would be, uh, to launch eCar. Were you, was it always on the plans to make it an app-only business? Wow, great question. Actually, it wasn't a table. It was a swimming pool uh, here in Dubai <laughs> where uh, uh, my co-founder and I were discussing business ideas and the idea of car sharing came up. Um, he's from Canada. And um, in Canada, car sharing is a big deal, and it, it didn't exist here in the Middle East. So we did some research. We found out that um, there was a big gap in the market, and we decided to launch out, yeah, just as an app business only, um, which we're thankful that we did. Was that a little bit of a leap of faith? 100%. Um, although we did do some research, of course, before we just uh, made the made the plunge. Uh, I named the company with a K, E-K, uh, of course, being the call sign for Emirates Airlines. Mm-hmm. The idea uh, when we first launched was to solve a problem for cabin crew. At the time, there was something in the neighborhood around 17,000 cabin crew at Emirates, uh, 8,500-ish cabin crew at Etihad that live in the accommodation towers. And our idea was to solve for their mobility problems when in region. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, uh, you know, ride hailing could be a bit expensive and owning a car is very expensive. They're only in town 10 days of the month. So to have an app that they could use um, made a lot of sense. So luckily, we were able to get a survey out before we decided to embark, embark on the business. And we got back a 94% uh, positive feedback that this is a price point that they would like and an app that they would use we highlighted the extraordinary success that you guys uh, have had the eyeballs uh, and the the brand recognition uh, across the region in terms of going back to that those launches as well um when you had decided upon the app um uh, sort of journey as it were did you decide to build in-house did you build in-house or did you outsource so quite frankly, I know, and I especially at that point in time, knew very little about apps in general. I definitely wouldn't know how to build an app, and I hardly could even put together a website. Um, but we had a vision of what we wanted to do. So there are options out there for other entrepreneurs looking for you know, ideas. First of all, I would recommend finding a co-founder. Um, if you don't happen to have the 
the tech skills to find a co-founder who's great um, with with tech. That's a very complementary skill set, which good. I wish I had. Um, I went another route and I went with a white label option. Um, so that exists uh, for many industries. Uh, you can actually have a white label uh, solution. It's a great um, product market fit test, let's call it. Um, the other two options is uh, you know doing a third party build where you can hire a, a third party company to help build. The, the, the issue there, especially when you're launching is it can be quite expensive and you still don't really know if it's going to succeed or not. So white label is always kind of a better solution. And then finally, uh, if you if you believe you have the skills, you can always DIY and try <laughs> to do it yourself. I wouldn't recommend that, though. Yeah, and you know, we see we see this uh, white labeling in a lot of industries, for example, in fintech. There's a lot, you know, most of the most of these technology platform, uh, sorry, these are banking uh, technology platforms uh, or these skins, if you want, are, are based on the same white label uh, app or the same the mm. same uh, background, if you want. Also, I mean, in Wil- Wilhelm's case, I mean. It's such a it's such a logistics challenge to to say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna rent out cars or I'm gonna do and I'm gonna manage this process that mm. it would be inconceivable for me to even think of how you map that out how do you you know how do you manage logistically to have twenty thirty forty cars and that you could just drop them anywhere you want pick them up from anywhere you want so yeah I would I would I think I think that was the right decision I'm sure he he, he concurs that was the right decision back then and I would. I- I would encourage people to go through these white labels that are already existence to save some cost and time. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, when we when we launched, uh, I'm not going to you know lie and say that it was a perfect launch, not by any stretch of the imagination. We've made every mistake under the sun. Um, you know, uh, launching, trying to figure out white labels, uh, trying to figure out our positioning. I even uh, remember uh, posting a 800 number for a company that didn't even exist yet. Uh, all kinds of strange, odd mistakes uh, that uh, founders make as they first launch. But after a while, you kind of kind of get it, and uh, you get good at what you do. In 2019, eCar was the highest utilized car share service in the world. That was our device service. And you know, over the over the course of the last two years, uh, we've built a tech team. We have about 20, 30 tech uh, staff, and we built our own entire. Uh, uh, mobility operations system, our entire p- own platform, our entire own app, uh, which is arguably one of the best in the world at this point. So, so, so what happened? You know, there, you Wilhelm? start from the beginning and then you grow. So you went from the white label and then you migrated to your own app, correct? Slowly but surely, yeah. And now you uh, could probably, and now you could probably white label your own app. Precisely. In fact, that's kind of what we're doing at this point: is we're white labeling our app for car rental companies across the globe. Wow! How many cars do you have now in in, in the UAE? Uh, in the UAE, it's uh, just north of a thousand cars. Oh wow! Um, in, in total, we're close to two thousand. We're in the heading to about ten thousand cars over the next sort of six or twelve months. Can you imagine how many employees altogether? A hundred and fifteen. Can you imagine? So you're, so Tom, so you're, you're, they're managing over 2,000 cars yeah. in a very vast geographical place. Yeah, yeah. And there are 115 people only. That's technology for you. It's extraordinary, isn't yeah. it? Uh, and of course, well, you mentioned a little bit earlier on, obviously, uh, the, 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 the need or the, the want to expand into different markets. Now that you've already tapped into Saudi, tell us about the Saudi market. How, we, all, we are all told, Wilhelm, about the potential of Saudi. How's it working for you? So Saudi is, 
man, Saudi is a, a huge market, <laughs> and there's so much opportunity, especially in in our space in in um, self-driving mobility. We can imagine two years ago, um, or or just north of two years ago, um, women uh, were given the permission to drive cars. For example, that opens up the market to about 10 million people uh, who otherwise uh, didn't have a driver's license who can now apply for a driver's license. The um, market is very young. Um, very connected as far as uh, smartphones are concerned, one of the highest penetrations in the world. So uh, products that come out, new apps, new technologies that come out in Saudi um, are promoted via, typically via influencers. <clears throat> and when they come out, it's as though the entire kingdom knows about what's going on. Mm. When we launched eCar, eCar became the number one app on both iOS and Android for a period of about a week. I mean, we were above... TikTok and you know Facebook and all kinds of other apps, which was incredible to think about uh, the fact that this is an idea again that was born in a swimming pool here in Dubai. Another quick one for you as well, because I'm interested about the sort of right place, right time idea. I mean, you, you've been humble enough to say, you know, it hasn't all been plain sailing. We've had a few uh, dips along the road as well. Um, and I'm also conscious of the fact that we don't want to be seed see, you know, seeing positives out of the pandemic. And 2020 was a horrible year for many. But we can't get away from the fact that you saw your company grow in 2020. So could we equate that sort of right place, right time, things coming together with the app became essential during the pandemic for many well quite frankly we uh we were shut down for a period of about two months uh, during the sanitation uh, yeah. uh period in in dubai um so that that crushed the business and that was uh that was a scary notion at the time um but rather than than um us necessarily kind of sitting around and licking our wounds we spent that time focusing on our tech mm. Um, and we rolled out a product uh, just uh, when we got out of the tunnel called eCar Fleet, which empowers car rental companies themselves, um, many of whom have, have uh, uh, you know, gone under very difficult times. We know, of course, Hertz uh, going bankrupt in the U.S. Um, have, have now put their own vehicles on the eCar platform under either revenue share scheme or as well our new product that we have a subscription where we have vehicles, then we can rent out on their behalf. And, and just to put things in perspective, our average uh, use case uh, for car sharing is about a 40-minute trip. That's, uh, that's a long trip for, for a ride-hailing option. That's expensive. But it's also too short of one to you know, kind of bother to go to a kiosk and rent a car for a day. So we're introducing the car, otherwise traditional car rental world to this you know, massive group of commuters um, that they otherwise wouldn't know of. And, and that's saving many of these companies, especially in a, in a time of um, tourism lockdowns and so on and so forth. So we've been, I would argue, uh, rather than disrupting this industry, we're bit, we've been more or less a great partner for the car rental business, and it's seen our business grow as well along the way. It's a truly fascinating case study. Um, if only we had more time, Wilhelm, that's all I can mm. say. Uh, listen, um, goes without saying, congratulations, huge congratulations to you and all the team at eCar for everything that you've achieved uh, down the years. I'm sure 21, uh, 22 and the future holds so much more and we will definitely be talking again. If there's one last little thing, one little last little takeaway that you want uh, – other entrepreneurs, fellow entrepreneurs, those listening in to this conversation to take away from this conversation? What is that advice for them? 
It would be to, you know, surround yourself with the, you know, the five people you surround yourself with um, are the ones that are going to drive your motivations. So make sure the people that you surround yourself with are smart, uh, you know, equally as ambitious people. Um, and that's going to help push you along the way. And, and also make sure to find mentors. Mm. There's plenty of great people out there that are willing to give great advice. Phil Helm, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Phil uh, Helm Hedberg is the founder of ECA. He was joining us live on Microsoft Teams on behalf of George, myself, and all the team at Virtual. Thank you very much indeed to you, Phil Helm. Enjoy the rest of your day. Love that. Just a great story, isn't it? All round S- swimming pools. See, hanging out around swimming pools delivers, doesn't it, George? I'm not sure it's the swimming pool that gave him the idea, but yeah, <laughs> all good. <laughs> Uh, good to speak to Wilhelm. Uh, if you want to find out more, do download the eCar app now. And as you uh, heard from Wilhelm there, uh, it is the E-K-A-R, E-K-A-R, to find out all the latest. Company Clinic. A couple of questions that have come through during the show. Hey, George, I know that you're working in big, big business setups, but for a person who's working on a small app idea and requires a license and a visa without breaking the bank, what entities would you advise to go to? There are a lot, and it's really confusing with all the different prices, the different zones, etc. And how much capital it does, one, does an app need to get off the ground? Thanks. Well, a few, a few things in that. In that last message, first, it's an incorrect statement that we set up big businesses only. We set up businesses of all sizes, anywhere from the micro businesses, the one and two person mom and pop shops, to we have big chains of hotels, big chains of restaurants, and so on and so forth. So, no, Virtuzone does not only set up big businesses. It set up it sets up all types of businesses of all sizes. Um, the second part of the message is exactly why we exist. There are so many options today to open in, so many jurisdictions, so many types of licenses, so many setups that you can choose that it's become quite difficult for somebody to do it on his own and to find out the information on his own. So imagine today there's, you know, the consensus is there's over, over 51 free zones, for example. If you were to set up, can you imagine if you were to go visit every single free zone, get the information, uh, start comparing everything. So we at Virtuzone do that for you. So we have a big part of our, of our, uh, of our value added, which is advisory. So you come to us, you say, listen, I want to start an app doing ABC. We will tell you these are the three options you have. These are your best options. These are the most cost effective, etc. When it comes to an app, um, uh, when it comes to an app, I would imagine if it's something like e-commerce, for example, you would need an e-commerce license. And uh, at the moment, as usual, you know the Northern Emirates are the, are the are the cheapest options to start with. We always recommend people who are starting with low budgets or that want to start with a low budget to start with the Northern with a Northern Emirate um, uh, license and then move on later on into into a, a more uh, I would say uh, costly but but. Uh, but uh, um, mm. a specific license, if you want, when, when office space is needed and more visas are needed and so on and so forth. Um, in a nutshell, and I'm trying to remember, this was a long question, so I'm, a lot of sub-questions right? in it. Uh, it would cost you today, without a visa, around 10,000 10, dirhams to, uh, to get a license for e-commerce from Northern Emirates. Another one that's come through from uh, someone who's not put their name. Uh, hey, George, what's the true cost of a license these days? What is the VirtuZone markup? And why can't we just go direct? Well, you can go direct if you have about 
six years to waste on, 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 you know, getting the information from everywhere. Again, a big part of our value added, uh, is we have a relationship with pretty much all the, all the jurisdictions that are out there. We are constantly kept, uh, uh, kept informed of the changes of jurisdictions in each one of them, the changes of the laws, the changes of requirements. And we pretty much have the pricing of every single one of them and what's, what's, you know, what's, what's permitted, what's not, and the type of activities that can be listed in those jurisdictions. So by coming to us, it's a pretty much a one-stop shop where we can give you a big, you know, the, the, the big the big picture if you want. This is where you can open or not. What's uh, I think the question is what's VZ margin? So basically, you know, in order to exist, in order for us to to be able to serve you, we, today we have over 100, 120 people in the office. Mm-hmm. Our office is in Sul Bahar. I, I think you've come before, Tom. Um, you know, uh, first class uh, first class facilities and so on. We have overheads. I mean, we need to pay our people. We need to. Yeah. We're a business after all. So. But our model is based on the fact that this, the premium you pay to do it yourself is very small. People think that we just take the price that you that that you would pay and then just add a, a premium to that. That's really not the case. Because we do volume, we're able to 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 buy better. So we try to charge the premium to be very very low in order for it to be cost effective to our clients to come to us for the advisory side of things that they're basically getting for free that what we charge is basically to go do the execution and it's very small it's very it's a very small uh, sum over what you would pay if you went direct but imagine for example uh, tom if you were to do your research yourself let's say you did go through that process which is a long and hefty process and decided that okay you're going to set up in i don't know let's say in milky Wayne, right or in, in fujaira creative city and then you go up to fujaira creative city and you forgot one document and that's an hour and a half to go there you get there you give you the oh well you got the wrong you come back for an hour and a half go back say oh well what about that document and you know so you can imagine yeah. the, 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 the hell that it becomes to go up and down so this is what we do we facilitate things for our clients so in, in addition to an advisory role where we tell you what your best solution is to start up we also provide you with the best cost effective solution uh, to get things going um, this is from Sunil's just come in to us this morning. Uh, hey, George, can we refer someone who is not in the UAE but wants to invest here? Absolutely. You can refer somebody from anywhere. At the end of the day, today we're, we're, we're seeing as many clients from the UAE come to us as clients from outside that are looking to, re- to relocate to here. So, yeah, absolutely. You can refer somebody from anywhere. Um, businesses come in all different guises another one that's just come through Uh, thank you very much indeed for all your text messages Uh, hey uh, morning all Uh, Mr George how can someone get finance to start up a paper cup making factory business paper cup Making would follow obviously under manufacturing. Uh, you know there is there is uh, there are some grants at the moment uh, from the government uh, to uh, to encourage manufacturing. As you know, uh, it's a, it's 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 a sector that's still underdeveloped here, and that, but uh, that's growing at a rapid pace. Expo will greatly accelerate that as well. I would uh, the first door I would knock on is probably the Chamber of Commerce and uh, the Dubai Chamber of Commerce and talk to them. Say, listen, I want to start um, I want to start uh, something in manufacturing. What are the current government grants that there are? And there are many options that that would uh, that would help uh, co-funds uh, something like this. Obviously, that's beside the traditional funding methods, which are you know friends and family and and and, and going through um, and going through uh, funding uh, the, the traditional funding stages Seeking and funding funds, rounds. Obviously, uh, George, really appreciate your time. George George is the CEO of Virtue Zone. Uh, if you would like to reach out to Virtue Zone, do so now. They are online answering your calls. Still the virtual team. Uh, at Virtue Zone, at Virtue Zone, hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone, hashtag be your own boss. Uh, they will continue that conversation with you. We'll be back 
uh, with another starting up with Virtue Zone live on Dubai Eye next Tuesday from 10 a.m. George, until then, thank you, mate. Thanks, Tom. Um, nice seeing you again. Yeah, nice to see you. All the best for the Canadians. Have a super week. Thank you. Take care, bro.